Father, we thank you for today, Father. We thank you for the fact that we can come in your house this morning and praise your name. That we can sing praises to you for what you've done for us. Father, we do live in awe of you every day. Father, thank you for your word as well, Father, as you teach us through your word. Father, on things such as giving and being good stewards of what you've given us. Father, I pray that as we look at your word now, Father, that you speak through me, that my lips are your lips. My heart is your heart, Father, and as we hear your message, that we are not just hearers of the word, but we are doers of it as well. Father, we thank you for today. Be with us, Father. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, it's uh, again great to be here uh, today. My name is uh, Pastor Jared, and uh, we, uh, we are in our last week of our, our stewardship uh, series. Uh, if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that we've been in a, a series called Giving God's Way. And in that series, we've been looking at various facets of giving. We've been, uh, two weeks ago, Dr. John Guest was here, Dr. Ed Glover was in the third service, and we talked about why we give. And the idea that where, where our heart is, there where our finances often be. We looked at the passage from 2 Corinthians 9. And then last week we, we took a look at how we give. And as we come later today in our service, we present our pledge cards for the next year. We talked about what we write on that card, as many of you have it. What do we give? How much do we give? And we, just, we said how we give really determines how much we give. And this week, in our final week, we, we turn our attention to what we give. What we give. Now, many of you would say, well, Jared, I, th- I thought that's what we talked about last week, what we gave. I thought we already determined that. We already talked about what we give financially. And yes, it is true, while there's a biblical mandate for giving financially, understand that's not what all God wants from us. It doesn't just end on a, on a Sunday morning with our giving when it comes to stewardship. Many of us will come here to a service like this and give our pledge cards financially and say, that's it. I've given all I can give to God. I've given God's way. And my encouragement for you this morning is that that's not all God's asking from us. He wants us to be mighty vessels for him throughout the entire week, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the week, using our gifts, our abilities, our time for him. We need to be doing these things. That's why Edmund Burke says, in order for evil to succeed, all it takes is for good men to do nothing. God wants us to use what he's given us, our abilities, our time for him. That's why we're looking at this parable from Matthew. And as we look at this parable, one of the things I want us to see is is what we do with what God's given us. So first, it's the responsibility we have as believers. The responsibility that God's given us to use for his kingdom. Then the reaction we give to that. And finally, the reward that's given. The responsibility we have. The reaction we give. The reward we gain. So as you have, if you have your service sheets, your Bibles, we are in Matthew chapter 25. And we read that this morning. And you'll see right there in Matthew 25 verse 14, it says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. This is Jesus talking. Understand the word servants there doesn't refer to just just meaningful household servants. It really 
was, was, was broader than, it, than that. It referred to any kind of level of bond servant. It was common laborers, menial household servants. It was skilled craftsmen. It was artists. It was highly trained professionals in that time. So servants really encompassed a lot of things. We'll see that because this parable really illustrates the kingdom of heaven, that the master is Christ who went on a journey. It represents the time away here on earth and the time when he will return. Well, then who are the servants? The servants represent us, Member of, members of God's family, those that know and love Christ as their Savior. It doesn't re- represent unbelievers. Why? Because the expectation wouldn't be there. As believers, we have to understand we have been given gifts from God. Everything belongs to Him. So the expectation on us is higher. So those of you that are in here and know and love the Lord Jesus, as there are as many of you, the expectation for what God's given us is higher and there's an account to give. It says in verse 15, To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his own ability. Then he went off on a journey, it says. Some translations say he gave a bag of gold. In NIV it says a talent. So the question is, what is a talent? Understand before, in our day and age, talent means some kind of skill or ability. But understand, a talent back then was a term of measurement. It was, it was a unit of mass, corresponding to the mass of precious metal. It was approximately the mass that, that was needed to fill what they call an amphora, which is like a clay, clay pot or jar. And they used that as a standard of measurement. Nonetheless, it represented one of the largest amounts in Greek currency. As many scholars have to try to determine how much a talent is, the conversion between the measurement and the amount, there's varying degrees, but most scholars would say it's a lot of money. Some conservative scholars would say it's tens of thousands of dollars. Other scholars would say it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And there are few scholars who determined that it was upwards in the millions of dollars. How does that apply to us? It could be determined then that this is a lifetime of earnings for some of these servants. It's a lot of money. How does that apply to you and me? Understand that God has not given you a $2 or $5 talent. You are a huge investment to God. Huge. A huge investment to God when he looks at you. Something he's poured into. You're worth so much to God. Some of you sit in the pews and feel like, I'm not worth anything. And I have to tell you, God's saying, you are a huge investment. He's given you so much. Notice, too, it's significant that each was given according to his own ability, says the, says the passage. The owner of the servants knew his servants intimately, intimately, and God knows you intimately as well. He knows how much you can handle. He gives each according to their own ability, only what they can reasonably handle. We all have different gifts. We all have different skills. All have different abilities. The 12 disciples also had different abilities, different skills. There was 12 disciples. Three of them had different responsibilities. Peter, James, and John were in the inner circle. Of the most prominent of them, Peter was the most prominent of them. 
They all had different levels of skill, different levels of ability. Each was given to their own ability. That's why in Romans 12, 3, it says, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one, of, each one of us has one body with many members, these members do not have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Then in verse 6 of Romans 12, we all have different gifts according to the grace to which God has given us. We have different responsibilities. We have different gifts Some of us have different levels of income. Some of us have different levels of time. Some of us are wired differently. We're all all designed differently. And we're all given what we can reasonably handle. Why? Because God knows us intimately. So what's the reaction? We understand the responsibility we have. So what's the reaction we give? We see in verse 16. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. The NASB says he went immediately... This represents a genuine believer who who has a supreme desire to follow God, to use his gifts or her gifts to the best of their ability. This five-talent servant understood what it meant when Jesus gave the most important command to love the Lord your God with all all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. In the same way, you'll see there, is that the the one with two talents gained two more as well. Understand that the second servant, although was given less than half as much to work with, he performed just as faithfully. They both demonstrated supreme commitment to their master by making the most of what God's given to them. But then you see in verse 18, it says, The man who received the one talent went off, he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Understand back then, hiding stuff in the ground was, was commonplace. They didn't have bank vaults. They didn't have uh, locked boxes, deposit boxes. What they would do is they would, they would hide things in the ground. It was a convenient way to protect those things that you feared being lost or damaged. You would hide it under the ground. And then in verse 19, they have to give an account. Understand, we as Christians, as believers, have to give an account for what God's given us. So the man returns home in verse 20. Then it says, the man who received the five talents brought the other five. He says, master, uh, you said you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. Understand, this, this man was not bragging. He was not boasting about what he did. He was simply stating a fact. Everything he started with had been entrusted to him in the first place. He understood what he had been given. Those five talents never belonged to him anyway. They belonged to God. They belonged to his, his master. And so he put him to work. He only done what was, should have been done. Once we understand that everything belongs to God, it's a lot easier to give, church. Once we understand that everything we have, everything we are, everything we've been entrusted with, our gifts, our abilities, our time, our talents and treasures, all belongs to God anyway. It gets a lot easier to give. That's why Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. This man exhibited the same attitude that Jesus commanded every disciple to do. When you do all things which are commanded, you say, We are unworthy slaves. And we have done only that which we ought to have done, Luke 7. This man did exactly what he was supposed to do. 
So what are the, how did the master respond? I love it. Verse 21. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So then what happened? The second servant reported the same thing. And having addressed the five-talent servant, then the master goes and addresses the the two-talent servant. And he says exactly the same thing. He heaps loads of praise on him. The master alters no phrase. He admits no honor. Says the exact same thing to him. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Says the exact same thing to the five-talent servant as he does to the two-talent servant. What does that mean for you and me? It means the same honor is given to those of us who go and fill cups for the homeless as the same honor goes to those who fill stadiums of people and bring people to Christ. God emits no honor, no praise, as long as we're using the talents that he's given us, whether it's two talents, whether it's five talents, whether it's little ability, whether it's a huge amount of ability, whether it's little finances that we have, whether it's huge finances we have. God emits no honor, no praise. He says the same thing. He says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many. Church, we need to be using what God's given us. Some of us sit here and think that God can't use me. I don't, I don't have much to give. I have very little offer. How could God ever use me? I got to tell you, God's given you everything that he felt like you needed. All he's doing, asking you to do is use them. Growing up, I, I knew of a... An elderly woman in our church, her name was Sarah. Sarah was a wonderful woman. She didn't have much. She had very little. She didn't have any huge, huge skill. But what she had was the gift of encouragement. What Sarah would do is she would write a note to every member of the congregation. One at a time. She would write one note every day to some member of the congregation until she got through the whole list and then she'd start all over again. On Sunday, she'd be passing out these little letters of encouragement. Sarah knew what her gift was, encouragement. She didn't have much, but she used it. She used her time and her talents for God. Many of you here have many talents. Maybe you have a talent with, with young children. Maybe you, have, maybe you have much more patience than I do with young children. Maybe you want to work with a children's ministry. You talk to Nicole. Maybe you have, maybe you have a, a gift of working with youth. You want to talk to Pastor Robbie or Pastor Doug or Pastor Jamie working with young adults or college. Maybe you have the gift of music. You're, you, you have a, a musical talent. I do not have that talent. Maybe you have a talent. You want to talk to Dr. Curry. He'll get you involved in the music ministry or, or Brad. Maybe you have the, the gift of decorating. You can help with chancel. Maybe you have the ability to work with your hands. You're very skilled in that area. We have a, a wonderful widow's ministry here that the men's ministry help them rebuilding their houses and fixing things up in their homes. Maybe you have to give to that area. Maybe you have a gift of technical abilities. We have wonderful technical folks here at the church that help us in our worship services. We all have a gift. Some of us aren't gifted with a specific skill. We just have lots of time on our hands. There's so many volunteer areas to work here at the church. There are so many volunteers here on a regular basis on Fridays. There are folks here stuffing the, the service sheets. We call them the A-team. They're downstairs faithfully. Receptionist areas. All kinds of areas. Ushers. Greeters. God has given us gifts. God has given us talent. He's given us time. Are you using them?
Are you using them? There are no mistakes with using our gifts and abilities, our time, talents, and treasures for the Lord. The only mistake is seeking to not make one. And that's exactly what the third servant did. Contrast his reaction to the third servant with the first two. They went and put their money to work. What did he do? He went and buried his. He went and buried it. He made the most common and tragic mistake of any believer. He failed to benefit the master with the talent. He was afraid of what he could lose. It was more convenient for him just to bury it in the ground. Why? Because he was afraid of what he could lose, afraid of what could get damaged, afraid of what could get lost. Some of us are living in fear of being wrong or being inconvenienced. We don't want to use our gifts because we're afraid of what will happen. When it comes to money, some of us are terrified of what we can give to God because of what? Because of the inconvenience, because of what could get lost. That's exactly what this servant had. He had a fear, so he buried it because he didn't want to be inconvenienced. He didn't want to be inconvenienced. Some, live, uh, some of us live in a state of guilt. Maybe he had one talent and he thought, you know, I have such a little talent, I'm not going to be able to use it anyway. Some of us here have, live in such a, a state of guilt that they feel like they cannot use any talent for God. So it's more convenient just to stick it in the ground. Just to not use it at all. And I tell you, this fear of being used for God can't be the furthest thing from the truth. God's given us abilities. All he's saying is use them. Use them faithfully. This man did this. He was a believer. He didn't want to use his gifts out of fear or inconvenience. You know, there's a story in Scripture of somebody who did quite the opposite, who didn't live for fear or inconvenience. Many of you will know this story. It comes from Mark 12. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. If not, most of you will understand this story. It's about the woman who put in the two coins. Jesus sat down, Mark 12, 41, opposite the place where the offerings were being put. He was in the temple and watched the crowds putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth less than a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. She put in two pennies, all she had to live on. How inconvenient would that have been? Coming to church, all she had to live on, and she gives it over to God. There was no fear in her mind. No lack of trust that God was going to take care of her. She put it all in. After she put it in, her next job was to go out and trust God to provide for her the rest of the week. She's a true example of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. She trusted God fully. She put it all in. It wasn't out of convenience. It wasn't out of fear. And that's what this man, this servant in this parable failed to do. And the master was upset, rightfully so, as you'll see in verse 26. He says, listen to the response. Be prepared. Brace yourself. He says, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew, that, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put on, on, 
put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Throw this worthless servant on the street. He doesn't only call him wicked, he calls him lazy. Why? Because there was a banking system back in the Roman Empire. The maximum loan rate was 12% interest. Interest on earned deposits was about half that. So all the man really had to do was just give it to the bankers and it would have earned 6% interest. But he did nothing at all, which really shows a lack of consideration for his master, for, for what he's been given. A lack of, it was indifferent. He was lazy. He says, if you look in verse 24, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've, not, where you've not seen. And did you catch what the master said? Or better yet, what the master didn't say. He said, he repeated the assessment of the servant word for word except for one phrase. With one exclusion. He didn't say, I knew you to be a hard man. The master didn't repeat a phrase that he didn't accept himself. See, the master, the servant called him a hard man. Same terminology that Christ used to describe the stiff-necked and stubborn Pharisees is what the servant described the master as. You see, this man's sin wasn't mismanagement. It was misunderstanding of the master himself. He thought he was a hard man. Is he a hard man? Was he a hard master giving undeserving servants more money than they could accumulate in a long time. More talents than they needed. And all he did was ask them to use them and use them faithfully. And then he stood in their face in front of everybody at, when he came home at their homecoming and he said to them, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Share in your master's joy. That's all God's asking us to do. Use them for his service. Was he a hard master? No. Infinitely good, graciously abundant, absolutely. This man's sin was not mismanagement, it was misunderstanding. One author wrote of this man, I love it, the one talent servant never knew his master. He should have. He lived under his roof, shared his address, he knew his face, he knew his name, but he never knew his master's heart, and as a result, he broke it. Some of us are not using gifts God's giving us, and it must break his heart. Because he gives in abundance, he gives joyfully. All he wants us to do is use them for his kingdom. Not out of fear, not an inconvenience, because he's going to take care of us and he's going to use those. Those who fear doing wrong for God, wrong thing for God often do nothing for God for fear of making the wrong kingdom decision. They make no decision at all. For fear of messing up, they miss out. They will give what the servant gave and hear what the servant heard. But we don't have to. Some of us for a long time haven't been using our gifts our abilities, our time, our talents. But we can start today and say, you know what? I understand what God's given me. He's given everything to me that I have. And he's given it in abundance. All i got to do is use them. That's why we've put in your service sheets, as many of you will see, the My Gift Card. Giving you the opportunity to say, you know what? Maybe you have a certain talent. Maybe you have a, a certain amount of time in your week that you want to give over to the Lord. This is between you and God. But stewardship is not just about giving financially. There's a mandate for it, but that's why we end this series with this. Because it's not about finances, once we understand that, but it's about our time and our challenge and everything through the week as well. And that's why we have you, give you this. And we want you guys to take this and fill this out whenever you can, because we're going to have you put this in the offering as well as an act of giving God's way joyfully.
So what's the reward we gain? We see the responsibility we have. We see the reaction we give. So what's the reward? You'll see in verse 28, take the talent from him who had, who, him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. You know, I never knew anybody in service who said, you know, I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my talents. I'm going to give my treasure over to the Lord who regretted that decision. I never knew anybody who said, you know what, I have this skill, I feel like God's going to help me use it, and so I'm going to apply it, and then regretted that decision. I never knew anybody who said, you know what, God's given me so much money, I feel like I'm going to give it over to them for God not to use that, for God not to take care of them in their time of need. That's what the woman of the two pennies did. Is (laughs) Is it scary? Absolutely. Some of you came in this morning wrestling over what you're going to put on your pledge cards. Is it scary? Absolutely. Do we need to trust God for it? Absolutely. Why? Because he's given, all, he's given it to us anyway. It's all his in the first place. And he wants us to use it. And then we will have an abundance. He desires us to give them over willingly to him. And when we do so, joyfully, we give it to him. So at the end of our lives, we can hear the same thing that the other two servants heard. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Come and share your master's happiness and joy. Giving, church, is about not only our treasures. It's about our time and talents as well. It doesn't stop on Sunday mornings. It goes throughout the week. So that's why in a few minutes I'm going to pray as the music team comes up and we're going to, we're going to come forward joyfully because we can. Because we don't need to leave, live in fear or inconvenience. We understand everything we have is God's anyway. And we're going to come and present it to him right here under the cross because it's all his. So what we're going to do is have you fill this card out if you can. And then after I pray, the ushers are going to come forward and we're going to dismiss you by rows. You're going to go out towards the windows. Wherever you're sitting, you're going to go towards the windows. You're going to come down if you have your in-gathering bags to come forward with that. If you need some help, if you see some other folks that need to help bring their in-gathering bags up, uh, please do so. To come forward and present your in-gathering bags and then place your, your pledge cards in the basket as well your, as your my gift cards for your time or talent as well. And then go down the, the middle aisle and it's about a, a time of celebration. That's why the, the songs we sing are, are joyous ones. Because we've really learned how to give God's way. Why we give, what we give, how we give. So we're going to do that now, church, as I pray. So will you pray with me? God, thank you for today. Father, we thank you so much for blessing us in abundance, Father. More than we can ever know. Father, for giving us our treasures, for giving us our time, for giving us abilities and skills to use, Father. I pray that as we come forward now, we we present those over to you without fear, without thought of inconvenience, Father. We give those over with joy so we can share in your joy and happiness as well. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you teach us in your word. Be with us, Father, as we give back joyfully to you because of what you've given to us. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.